Shut up and sit down. Happy cycling is safe cycling. I think I'll go for a ride, kick the bike out of the shed, make a fresh start, get out of my head. Before we start cycling, we have to prepare. First of all, you need suitable clothing that can soak up the sweat. A little boy on a mission, like the Tour de France. No, don't cycle drunk or stoned. I was a king, the bike, the road and me. I think I'll go for a ride. You are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. I will always cherish the initial misconceptions I had about these knuckleheads. Enjoy the show. Prepare the body for biking. Make it warm, hot, and steamy. Ready to go. If you reach a uh, pedestrian crossing, then you have to stop. Even if these persons are very ugly or old. Some days I'm Sean Kelly. Some days I'm David Byrne. Pedaling through Dublin town or in Portland, Oregon. If you want to pass someone, use your bell. Pass him and say thank you. When you ride the frontier between nature and mankind, I think I'll go for a ride. I think I'll go for a ride. What if you become very light in your head? I myself always have an emergency potato in my pants. And when I get hungry on the road, I just cook it. Hi, and welcome back to the Dot Podcast. I'm Jake Bondiering. I'm here with a bunch of guys on a phone that I'm staring at, and it's FaceTime Central here. I don't think we've ever done it this way, but I've got Mr. Lance Friggin' Hepler. <laughs> Lance Friggin' Hepler, hey, what's up? I am still in Arizona. Um, I'm sitting in my sister's backyard in Mesa. She lives very close to a small airport, so if you hear airplanes buzzing around me, tough crap. <laughs> <laughs> Stacked on top of Mr. Uh, Lance over there in Mesa, Arizona, is Mr. Matt Legrand. What's up, Matt? What's up? I am coming to you through the Apple Vision goggles. Gotcha. Right through the goggles. Gotcha. Right through the goggles. <laughs> yep. He has a very. I'm not in Arizona. Max. I'm actually a stones. I'm a stones throw away from Jake's house, but we decided to do this over um, over the Verizon network. Yeah. Why not? You know. Um, Matt, you kind of missed one thing that the, the ladies and gentlemen are going to be very upset if they don't hear. Do you want to start over? Oh, yeah. Uh, what's up, ladies and gentlemen of the Internet? You guys look sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Just one of us. <laughs> very cool. And finally, we got Ian Gibson. Oh, 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 Sir Ian Gibson with us today. Ian, thanks for joining us. Coming hey, back. Good Good to be here. I'm, I'm also not in anywhere exotic. Uh, coming to you from Gresham, Oregon. <laughs> Did you come up with your tagline yet, or do you need no, us to, no. to give one, give one to you, assign one to you? Do I need one? Do I really need one? Yes, it needs to tie in with the sir bit. I will come up with something for you. Stay tuned. Well, that was sort of <laughs> it's pretty themed tagline. Yeah. Ian, Ian Gibson and his bangers and mash, uh, or. Uh, um, <laughs> Wait, we got we got to come up with something. <laughs> we'll something time. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of the show, we'll have something going for you. <laughs> okay. Oh, hey, you know what? It's been another week, and uh, we're on Sunday here, so we're gonna get this out by the skin of our chinny chin chin here. Sorry about that. It's I, I swear I'm just living on Groundhog's Day, and it's kind of 
my bad that we're recording on a Sunday, but still, like per you know, per usual, we're still getting this out, getting you all the dial podcast. And um, you know, in this past week, I'm just gonna say that I didn't really have much to uh, to do with my uh, backpedaling, so we can we can punt on me, um, Matt. You want to go get yours out of the way real quick too? I mine's pretty simple, like a, a little bit of swimming, biking, and running. Um, biking only really zwifting. Which, you know, I mean, kind of like Lance, just like really boring biking. <laughs> Ian, I don't think you raced, so you get to go next. Um, the back pedal was traditionally for those race reports that we used to give when we used to race bikes a lot more frequently. And it seems like, well, I you're, you you put in a lot of races every year, but you just haven't raced quite yet this year. So we'll let you go now. No, I mean, the season kicks off next weekend. So uh, weekend's... After this, we'll have some. I will have something to talk about. Yeah. But, um, no, I, I came back from camp, which was great. And um, this was always going to be a rest week. Um, it turned into probably more of a rest week than I than I intended it to. You know, usually I um, intersperse my trainer um, interval sessions with some time out on the road, but it's just been so miserable here. Um, I, I've ridden. Th- three times on the trainer i think that's it um but i've been busy you know getting this race together so busy making phone calls busy hounding for volunteers um getting permits together so um yeah it's been a it's been a hectic week yeah cool very good lance epler yo you get to go do your back pedal you raced your bike <clears throat> tell us about it uh, I did race my bike. I um, I have been here in uh, the Phoenix area for the last week, and I uh, raced uh, Belgium Waffle Ride Scottsdale or Belgium Waffle Ride Arizona. This was yesterday. Um, it's been perfect weather here. Um, I hate to say that to all you guys, but it's been like 75 and sunny every day here. Uh, um, if you can't they're, they're all flipping me off currently for those of you listening, but that's, that's the usual response I get from this crowd. Um, but Belgian waffle ride. Um, I did the wafer. They have a, a waffle event and a wafer event. The Belgian waffle ride, the big one, it, it was 103 miles and like 8,000 feet of climbing. And I did the wafer, which was about 70 miles and 4,000 feet of climbing. And, um, it uh, is kind of funny. It started with a it started with a seven mile paved climb, which I got dropped on immediately. <laughs> I held, I held, I held three hundred and fifty watts for ten minutes trying to stay with the group, and finally decided I am going way too hard to stay with this group. And I watched a group of fifty or sixty cyclists just ride away from me up this road. And I'm, I've been, I've been pretty, I'm pretty fit right now, but I just don't have the watts per kilogram to keep up on these like steady longer climbs. Anyway, it got to the top of this seven mile climb and it turned onto a a 13, roughly 13 mile gravel, um, dirt road and single track section that I promptly passed about 50 of those 60 people that rode away from me. <laughs> so it, uh, it, it kind of favored me a bit because the single track was really quite technical and really loose dirt. 
um, really kind of slidey, like kitty litter stuff. And so my mountain bike skills kind of really helped me quite a bit. So I rode through most of the field um, going through these these whoop sections and these single track sections and these difficult spots. Um, and then it hit the road and I got caught by a group of 20 <laughs> that I just couldn't stay away from. But it took them a good 10, 15 minutes to catch me. Then we hit another single track section, but it was a single track section where you couldn't pass people very easily. And so one guy in front um, was just not moving really fast and there really weren't places to pass. So the whole field kind of stacked up right there. Not the whole field, the 20 guys I was racing around. And once it turned downhill, the guy still really wasn't moving very fast. And I started... Uh, taking some chances on the corners to get around to pass people on the single track. And I was calling him out and saying, Hey, I'm coming on your left. And I was taking um, like lines through the bushes <laughs> and alternate lines to get around people. And um, sure enough, I got around all the people and promptly put like, like 45 seconds into that whole group on this downhill single track section. It ended up with a, a, a longer climb, but it was a really technical single track dirt climb. And by that point, you know, we were three and a half hours into the race and they, I, they just, they couldn't keep up. And I, I was kind of hurting as well. Um, long story short, I finally finished and crossed the finish line. I really didn't know where I was in the field. I kind of had an idea, but um, I ended up 18th overall. And out of about 350 racers, and I was, I ended up second in my age group, um, in the 50 to 54 age group. Well done, Lance. That's fantastic. Nice yeah. It was, uh, it was way better than I anticipated. I really didn't know where I would stack up. I couldn't, nobody, I didn't know anybody's ages. I didn't know where, you know, so when I crossed the line and checked the results, I was really quite thrilled that I did okay. So that was, that was kind of exciting. Um, I had I had spent most of the day racing with um, with Frank Overton, who is the the founder of FastCat Coaching, and um, he's a former professional racer. Um, he was a professional racer in his twenties, and now he's he's the same age as me. He's fifty three, and we were we we had met the day before, and so we were kind of helping each other for part of the ways, you know, trying to trade poles and kind of help each other. But in the final single track section, I was just able to kind of distance myself from him. So I was, so I, he ended up fourth in our age group and the guy that won our age group just absolutely crushed me. He was actually in the sprint for the win. He ended up second overall in the whole race. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So he beat me by like 22 minutes. I was, I was in another time zone. He was, he was showered and eaten by the time I finished. So, <laughs> those backhouse guys are fast. I used to race with some of them in the the mountain bike scene back in the day when I used to live in Southern California, and they were all just like wicked fast. And I could keep up with a couple of them, but some of them were just like on a whole different like plane. Like Johnny O'Mara was on that team, and Johnny O'Mara, for those of you who might remember, was the old motocross guy. Um, retired from motocross oh, yeah. and then started racing mountain bikes and obviously had some incredible bike handling skills, but it turned out he has a massive engine too. That used, the guy used to just tear people apart in his fifties. 
Yeah, Eric Steven, he's on that Baghouse team. He's from San Clemente. Yeah. Um, and actually, actually um, I'm going to end up racing against him again this weekend in a mountain bike race, um, except his his Belgian waffle ride age was 50, but he's actually 49. And so in in the in the mountain bike race, he's in the 40 to 49 field and I'm in the 50 to 59 field. So we're not racing the same field. Thank frigging goodness. So <laughs> he's probably even faster than the mountain bike, to be honest with you. <laughs> he, he, he probably is. He was I looked at him and he the dude looked like 35. And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. Are, are you? You, I want to see your birth certificate. This isn't right. <laughs> so, right on. Anyway, I had a great time. Yeah, the race went really well. Um, I I felt pretty good. Uh, I you know it's it's a good start to the season for me. So we'll see how much I can roll along and keep this going. So. And how about that new? How was that? The what? The new bike. Oh, dude. Yeah, the Envy Mog. Um, it. I have a dropper post on it that came in clutch on these mountain bike trails. Yeah. So it really helped. I could, I'm not kidding. When I said there's a, there was a two and a half mile stretch of like, like motocross whoops. I must've passed a hundred people. I'm not kidding (laughs) because they were all going a certain speed and I had my dropper down and just, just ripping through it. It was so much freaking fun. So the Mog did great, yeah. What about? I actually had a little issue. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, how does it? Were you using the dropper on just some like standard descents too, just to get your yourself down lower? The um the final seven miles of the race was a paved descent, uh-huh. and yes, and I was alone at that point, trying to hold off a chaser. He was trying to catch onto my wheel, and yeah, I dropped it and could pedal a bit still with the dropper down, and I and that helped as well. Plus I was completely spent at that time. Yeah. So it was pretty crazy, but yeah. Um, I had kind of under inflated my wheat, my tires a little bit before the race because I pre-wrote a bunch of the stuff a couple days before and I completely washed out on a couple corners cause I just had way too much air pressure. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm missing a whole bunch of skin on one leg again, but what else is new? Um, but is the bike uh, okay? <laughs> yeah, didn't I like protected the bike with my knee, so so it was all good. But on race morning, I went like three psi lower, and in one of the whoop sections, I burped my front tire just a hair, and didn't didn't realize it until I was like rolling over a rock, and I could feel my rim hit, mm. and I was at mile, I was at mile twenty five. And there was still, yeah, 35 miles to go. And I thought, okay, uh, I'm going to get through this, uh, this fast section. Cause there was a, a, uh, a road fast section. I think I'm just going to get through this fast section before I stop. Cause I don't want to lose too much time with the group that I'm trying to be with. And I actually never ended up stopping and putting more air in the tire because the final like 12 miles was like all single track and the lower air pressure like really helped. So I ended up, it did, it never, it never lost any more air. And I think the, and it, it just ended up working out pretty good for me, but I must've finished. Yeah. So it was, you're running a tire liner in in there, but it's not the Kush core that you've been running for a lot of years. What are you running now? 
Um, I tried, I'm trying the two Bolitos on this one, which is just a, a lighter, um, tire liner than mm. the Kush course. Yeah. Um, not completely sold on it because I could definitely feel those, the rim hitting, but I didn't, but the, but the tire didn't come off the rim and maybe that's because those tire liners were in there. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure, but we're trying that out. I was also on pretty small tires. I probably should have gone bigger. I was on 38s. Um, but, uh, and like Keegan was, was running fifties for this race. Really? Who, who won the, yeah. So he was also running a suspension fork and fifties. Yeah. Wow. So Keegan was in that sprint for the overall or wait, he, he probably ran so, the, the longer race, huh? He, yeah, he did the waffle, the bigger race and he beat Lance Hadette by a couple of minutes. Cause he ended up, um, he ended up dissing him on the final, final climb. Gotcha. So it's pretty crazy. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Yes, I raced. It was a good race. It was a successful start of the season for me. I guess I've already raced once, but we'll see how it rolls. So I'm shut up now. Sorry. <laughs> right on. Hey, champ Bailey in sports. <laughs> champ Bailey. Hey, hey, champ. Have you ever heard of this guy called Tadate Kapagachor? Something like that. It's Pergurcher. Pergurcher. He might be good. He might be able to ride bikes. It looked. Dude, Tade Pagacha at Strada Bianchi. What the heck? It's pretty freaking incredible what he did. Um, and he actually called a shot too, which is even more incredible. I think I'm going to go around like 80 Ks to go somewhere in there. Sure enough. <laughs> yeah, 80 Ks, like 81 Ks to go. He attacks on one little climb. Um, within a kilometer, he had a 30 second gap. Uh, he got it up to about a three minute gap. Um, and he ended up winning by almost two and a half minutes. So he went solo for the final 80 kilometers and just completely got away. He kind of he kind of crushed the field there. Um, who was it? Uh, Skewns ended up second, yep. I think who was a few minutes back, um, Tom Skewns and Maxim Van Gills. I don't even know who that is. And Pidcock was fourth. I mean, he he wasn't too far back either, but... Did you listen to the still. post-race interview with Pidcock? I did not. No, what did he say? That <laughs> was pretty funny. And he's like, he's like, when he went, we were already all on the rivet. He's like, we kind of felt like we were riding in the group at that point in time. He was just like on a whole different plane and he kind of beat himself up a little bit. He's like, yeah, I probably could have landed on the podium if I'd done a few things different, but Tade, he's like, he's like, my hat goes off to that guy. He's like, I don't, I don't, how do you, how do you combat that? You know? So it's just kind of funny in normal Tom Pickack fashion. If you get a chance to go watch that little three minute interview, it's worth it. It's pretty funny. I saw that interview too, Jake. I feel like, he's easy to like he's easy to like the Pick more up. and more yeah. like i see him yeah the more and more i like see interviews with him i'm like yeah he's he's super chill yeah he's funny he's always got like funny isms that he's out there saying he, oh he, he yeah just, he was what was his whole thing was like what the f- yeah what <laughs> and then it was just like bleep like and then he was like he's like but what did you think when tade just went he's like yeah i thought what the f-? he just kept <laughs> he just kept repeating that i was like oh man that's funny <laughs> Oh, good times. Uh, uh, anyway, that's pretty cool. Um, the other uh, the other series race started. Perry Nice started yeah. um, today. Was that today? Was that this it was morning? today? It was this morning, but I haven't heard any results, so I'm 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 waiting for Champ Bailey to fill me in. 
Okay, so it was a sprint stage, and it was won by the sprinter from uh, Vismo Lisa Bike, that uh, Olaf Kuj. Oh, nice. to say his name. So, um, but uh, Mads Peterson was in there. Uh, Michael Matthews was in there. Trenton Mateo. Um, so yeah, there was there's some big names in there. Perry Nice has both uh, Roglic and and Remco. Both those guys are racing this race, so it should be fun to watch them battle it out um, on the GC. So let's go, we'll see what happens there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, Terreno Adriatico starts tomorrow, right? Doesn't that run concurrently with Perinese? Great question. Does it feel early for Perinese this year, or am I just on crack because of the crack that I just smoked? <laughs> well, it's March already. <laughs> it's March already. You're right. Yeah. Um. It no. Terreno Adriatico starts. Wait, I can't read these freaking dates in in Europe. Ten? <laughs> no, maybe. Yeah, you're right. It starts tomorrow. I think it. I don't. Yeah, it starts tomorrow. Yeah, it starts tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> they have their like. Anyway, I'll shut up now. Okay. Cool. Uh, but I, that's about it. I've been Go in ahead. the US for thirty years and. I've only just gotten used to the U.S. date format with <laughs> months before the day. Yeah, it's super <laughs> because, weird. Yeah, yeah, it's confusing when I look at the European and I'm like, wait, it's not April. No, it's the fourth. No, shut up. I'm already confused. My brain is gonna crack wide open already. It's Looks easy. like it might have been a might have been a week later, but still, it's still somewhat early March going back a ways. Yeah. <sighs> Who do you think's Where's gonna time go? Who do you think's gonna win um between Roglic and uh Remco? Or do you think there's gonna be a, another force that's gonna step in to handle their business? I, I don't know. Um that that Remco hasn't really been able to pull off. Well, I guess he hasn't been able to pull off a three week stage race yet, but a one week stage race, he could be pretty stinking good. Yep. So, but um yeah, I that's a straight up battle, it seems like. It'll be interesting to see who kind of comes out on top. Mm. What do you think? Um I think you're right, Lance. I think Rimco's got a real chance. Unfortunately, I have to agree. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm rooting roughly, but um yeah. hopefully he'll stay upright in the first couple of days and and uh and do well. It's exciting that he's on, on the new team and uh he's gonna be racing against his old teammates this season that's going to be that's uh, going to bring a whole new dimension to the pro racing yeah it's going yeah. to be fun because it's going to create a little bit more parity in the whole racing you're not going to see like one big giant massive team beating up on another big giant massive team it's it's kind of fun to see some of the other teams bringing up some better cyclists but it's it's nice to see it kind of spread out a little bit and Roglic wants to go out there and prove something. He's getting up there in, in years, but he wants to go out there and prove something and I think he's going to give it um, a good go this year so should be fun um egon bernal is also there as the leader of the team ineos um and so that's uh he's he's kind of on form at the moment yeah. so that could be a bit of a he could mix it up with those two guys too i'm really so. curious to see how it unfolds for him i didn't realize it was at that race as well but it makes sense and if he looks good that oh gosh that's gonna be a big like i don't know big big thing for the tour de france obviously but for team ineos they've got to be like super ecstatic about seeing his form come back around big, big sigh of relief for them 
Yes. So, yeah. Cool. Indeed. All right. Any other bike racing stuff you guys want to talk about before we get into our topic this week? <clears throat> uh, Belgian waffle ride. Uh, Scottsdale, uh, the women was won by Sophie uh, Villafonier, uh, Keegan's girlfriend. So they went, uh, they both won both races. Uh, and so I wanted to mention the women's winner there too. So sweet, pretty cool. Yeah. Right on. Anything else, boys? That's it. No. Camp out. <laughs> Thanks, champ. Hey, um, bike racing is starting and a lot of people are out there kind of talking about bike racing and it's kind of funny. I've had this, this topic kind of come up a few times and it's, it's always been like a curious thing for me to hear people say this. And from time to time, it does make sense. But the, the question that I have is that does does having low confidence does that affect like the way that you approach your races or more importantly does confidence breed competitiveness so i've had people make mention to the to me or in when we talk about these bike races that you know hey i'm just i'm just going to go out there and and just i'm just doing it to have fun do you guys ever like line up at a bike race that you've paid for, that you've trained for, that you've pinned on a number, that you've done all the prep work? Do you ever go out there to do it just for fun? Does that does that appeal to you guys? Or do you think that that's kind of, I guess for lack of a better term, a little bit of a cop-out or an excuse for maybe just not having the confidence that you need to kind of put it all out there and, and try your hardest? Or is it stemming from something that might be more related to like you just didn't put in the work and now you know that you're not going to be able to go out there and compete and that's going to be one of those things where you're going to be like yep i didn't do the work so i'm just going to go out there and have fun and does anybody ever sign up to do a race just to have fun knowing that like you're not going to be mixing it up and maybe you just get dropped and you're just going to go do it would you rather just go do a bike ride on your own i don't know asking you guys what do you think i I would say no whenever i show up to a race um I'm there to compete. Yeah. But however, I will often on more than one occasion tell my fellow competitors that I'm only there to have fun. Sure. Because <laughs> I may not be feeling particularly confident. I'm usually not, you know, by the time you get to the start line with the pre-race nerves and everything, you kind of get into this cycle of talking yourself down, you know, yeah, you've made all the preparation and you know, yeah, you, you should on paper be good here, but, I just feel my confidence draining away, you know, as I get up to the start line. And so, yeah, I'll often tell people, oh, yeah, you know, I just don't have the legs today and I'm not really feeling it. I'm not really confident. I mean, I think we've probably all been guilty of that, right? Just You know what I do when I hear that? It's it's a straight up I call BS and that's going on in my head. I'm like, <laughs> I need to keep an eye on this guy. He's he's saying stuff. He's trying to like do the whole bait and switch thing. Like, look over here while you're over there dropping bombs. Mr. Watt bombs over here himself. Yeah. If you're telling me that, I'm I'm definitely gonna be like taking a second to look at you and watching you while you're out there doing this race. So well, I think you can be yeah, you can definitely be competitive um without being competitive. Like you can you can have a competitive nature, but if you haven't put the work in, if you if you don't have real confidence through your preparation, you're not going to be competitive in the practical sense, yeah. I guess. Well, and so, you know, you you have a couple of different um, levels of confidence, right? You could you could be, um, you know, you could have misplaced confidence. I'm just going to attack the field and go off the front and 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 
I'm sure I'll get away. You know, you can do dumb things like that, or, or you can have confidence through through your preparation, through through knowing that you've you know you you're completely ready for that event, and you know who your competitors are, and um, and and just being ready. Yeah. So so that sort of practical confidence is a, is an asset, whereas you could be you could be confident and and just do dumb things. Now I have showed up to races knowing that I am not there to try and win, but that's not to say that I'm, I'm not trying to be competitive. I'm a hundred percent there to do a job and that is to support a teammate. And I know that it's, it's the, the effort and the work that I'm going to put in is competitive in nature, but I'm not doing it to, you know, put myself on a podium or put myself in a position to win. I know that what I'm doing is to help the teammate and I'm going to be competitive for them by, you know, putting myself out there. So, and for me, that's really fun. I, I quite enjoy that. So in essence, that is kind of racing for fun, but I'm not ever just going out there just to kind of go through the motions. And I'm of the mindset that if you are going out to do any kind of a race, it, it doesn't really matter if you're pinning on a number, you're, you're competitive to some degree in some respects that might be like, all right, I know that I'm not going to be able to keep up with, you know, all of these people or the Peloton or all these other things. And I might get dropped and all that other stuff. But there's still like a, a time or there still might be like metrics and numbers that you're looking for. So in essence, you're kind of being competitive with yourself, which that's fine. But just to say that, hey, I'm just going to go out there to have fun. It's like, well, you didn't have to come to the race. You didn't have to pin on a number. You didn't have to go through this whole process and come out and just have fun. You could have just gone on a bicycle ride. That that That's fun, you know, but why, why, why go through all these other like, you know, steps to say that you're just going to have fun. That that for me it's just like I've never quite really understood that and I understand that everybody's a little bit different. Everybody's psychological profiles a little bit different. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I I kind of lean towards disagreeing with that personally because I've had good experiences um doing just that like going to a race um not being competitive and literally just being like, I am just here to have fun. And uh, I think what what Ian kind of touched on was like your training and your, you know, any sort of buildup of, you know, your aerobic capacity and the work that you've done, that does breed confidence. And that confidence definitely uh, allows you to race and be competitive and things like that. Um, that being said, uh, I definitely think that there's something to be said for like not necessarily um, – just going out for bike rides or just going out and doing stuff by yourself. If your training isn't there, uh, I do still think that there's value in showing up and being part of the community. And, um, I'm thinking triathlon mostly, but same could be said for biking, right? Where it's like, you know, uh, you're out there, you're having fun with your teammates and you're, you're, you're literally just there to have fun. And you know, based on your training that you're not going to be competitive. So, uh, perhaps lack of confidence um, might play a slight role or or you're confident that your training isn't what it should be so you're you're fairly um, you're fairly knowledgeable in your exact like training and capabilities knowing full well that you're that you're there to have fun mm -hmm. so uh, I've had good experiences that way I think last the one that comes to mind was like the last uh, triathlon where Lance and I were like joking around the whole time mostly i mean we we're he had just showed up just for like heckling purposes yes. we had a blast <laughs> uh and it wasn't to say that like i got in there and i just like completely slacked off like i was pushing hard i just know like well it's not going to be um 
I'm not going to be in the normal, like I would normally, let's just say like be top 10 or something like that. Uh, this in this situation be like, oh, maybe I might be top 10 in my age group, but it's not going to be like where competitive, like where I was. Um, is that a reason not to do it? And just like, oh, I'm just going to go out for a bike ride. I, I don't think so. I do think that, you know, there's value in going and just showing up, contributing to the race, supporting local race organizations, um, and, and just being part of the community. A couple questions to that. Would you say that that's a little bit more commonplace in the triathlon world to <clears throat> say that you're kind of just showing up in that a lot of people I, just show up just I, to get the participation award or the, the finisher medal just to say, Hey, I did this, check this off. Finisher my list. medal, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that there's, there's a much larger percentage of the population within the races here on the triathlon side that are there to finish to let's just call them like weekend warriors, right? Where they're like, they're at the office, they're talking into their buddy Lance and then, Oh, this weekend I'm going to do a triathlon. You know, it's not like this weekend I'm going to do a triathlon and I'm going to try to place in the top three. It's like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to try to finish and I'm going to bring my medal to work the next week. I, I think there's more of that in triathlon than cycling. And I don't necessarily think that that's, um, it's not necessarily good or bad, right? Because it's like, it, it can be annoying to have these like, oh man, way to go on walking that 5k. But I also think like, you know, Hey, like if you're like me, maybe a touch overweight, good on you. Good for you on walking that 5k. So, uh, I, I think there's kind of like two sides of the coin on that as far as an answer goes to your question. Gotcha. You, you, you could argue though, that even in those situations, all of those participants are are exercising their competitive instincts to some degree. Yep. Um, and it can, I mean, you can take a time trial as another example. Most of the time, when you go and compete in a time trial, you you kind of know where you're going to end up. You know, you like in my case, I, I will never beat certain people in in my categories. So, what's motivating me to go out and do that? And I, it's not a team event either. So. Just as in the case of a triathlon, I think it comes down to your motivation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you have extrinsic motivators like, I want a podium. I, I want to be the fastest. I want to win this thing. And you have intrinsic motivators. I want to do better than last year. You know, I want to sustain 300 watts. I want to feel like I've done my personal best. E each... Each one of those is is being competitive, but for different um, motivations. And you, right. in fact, most people do argue that the, the way to sustain a successful athletic career is to keep your goals, keep your motivations more intrinsic than extrinsic. Because you know, on that podium finish, on that on that first place, there's so much of that race that's completely out of your control. Yep. But I agree. You're essentially at that point you're competing with yourself can i do can i beat last year's time you know stuff like that so going back to you real quick matt like you went and did that sure. one race and you just wanted to do it for fun and that's fine but let's let's take a look at the bigger picture like in your day would you say you've done at least 50 triathlons whether it be a super yeah. sprint all the way up to an ironman probably even more than yeah. that of all of those what percentage of them did you take that same approach where you weren't out there just giving it the beans Probably a very, well, okay. So two parts of that, like, um, to answer your question, a very low percentage of the 50 or so triathlons that I've done, um, 
I have not, you know, have been out there to be like, oh, we're going to have fun, right? They're all there. They're all 100% of those were like to have fun, but to have fun, be competitive, like try and do well. Um, the one I was mentioning where I was hanging out with Lance a bit was more like that one was like, no, we're really here to just have fun. And, and not that I wouldn't still, you know, uh, you said give it the beans. Like, I, I don't think that when you're showing up there and you're like, oh, I'm just here to have fun, you can still give it an effort. And I definitely did. Um, I was trying to be careful too with injuries and things like that. I think I walked a good part of the, the running part of the race because I think I was going through Achilles stuff at the time or coming back from surgery. Uh, I saw John Hoffman on the, on the run and I was like, perfect excuse for me to like stop, talk, walk and, um, and be careful, right. Be sure. careful of the Achilles and not try to overdo it. So, um, so partially giving it the beans, partially <laughs> trying to be smart, I guess. Sure. Um, but I, I think it's tricky, you know, because that might be more that I might want to do more of that stuff in the future where put stuff on the calendar, uh, train for it, try to be competitive, but also be okay with, um, with making it a little bit more of a for fun event. Gotcha. And then another part to that, this whole question, a lot of these people that are pinning on a number, a lot of these people that are, you know, signing up for a race and, and doing some semblance of like, Hey, let's get this, this body of mine prepared to go out there and do battle. You know, mm. they're doing that stuff, but they're quietly doing it. And then they show up and maybe they're just not feeling super confident. Oh, did I not work hard enough? Do I not want to work this hard during the race? Do I, do I not want to put myself out there and, and see what I've got? And then just basically using that as a bit of a cop-out to not give it their all or to not try and put themselves in the best position and just kind of using it as an excuse to have that, that bailout so that you don't have to go out there and go full gang busters on this whole race and make it be something where you like turn yourself inside out. Do you think that there's something there? I think that there's a lot of people that, uh, talk that are out there. And, and, you know, I think I did this a long time ago and I don't think I do it as much anymore where they, um, they kind of talk themselves out of having a good race, right. Where they're like, Oh my, you know, my training's not where it should be, blah, blah, blah. Like excuse, excuse, excuse. And then that way they have that crutch to lean on after the race where they're like, well, you know, of course, uh, going into this one, things weren't perfect. The, the stars and the moon didn't line up just perfectly. So, um, you know, I, I have that excuse to lean on. Um, I don't think that, I, I don't think that that's the exact same as just, you know, someone saying like that they're out there to have fun. I think that can be an excuse or it can be a crutch, um, but it doesn't have to be. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, confidence is a dynamic thing, right? Yep. You, you, your, your confidence generally hits the lowest point right before the gun goes off, you know, as you're mm-hmm. getting and the nerves kick in, <clears throat> confidence drains out of you but then as the race progresses you know maybe that confidence is going to come up again hey i'm still with the group after after this lap after this climb i'm still on hmm maybe i can do this you know that's so it's a kind of a a dynamic thing as well yeah i do find that a lot of people shut it down more because of what's going through their head and not because of how their body is reacting and and if if you've still got something in the tank to give, you've got to keep going until your body just cannot do it anymore. And if that's where you get dropped or you don't win or what have you, then yeah, that makes, that makes all the sense in the world. And that's, 
that's fine. And that's fine. You gave it everything that you got. But if you stop having yourself out of it and say, I'm just talking for this thing, or I'm just filling up my phone, whatever excuse it might be for that particular segment. That, that, that's where you're leaving stuff on the table, and you'll never really know if, like, if you think you can stay with them, stay with them. If you think that you can hang, if you think that you can put yourself on the podium, do it until your body won't let you do it. Like, your body will shut down far further down the road than you give it credit for. And it's amazing, like, some of the things that you can accomplish with that positive self-talk, that confidence that you've got. Like, hey, I put in the work. I know that I got this in me. I know that I've done this kind of stuff before in training. This is what I've been preparing myself for. I know that I, I can at least hang in there for a little while longer. And if I get popped, so be it. But I know that I'm going to give everything that I got. And there's a growth um, from that as well. You're going to get a training effect. And you're going to know that, like, all right, this is how far I made it. And then I know what I need to do with my training so that next time we get there, I can go a little bit further or maybe even hang on to the end. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's all... You know, if you want to get your confidence up there, you, you prepare for it, and that's and that's what gives you the confidence. Hey, you know, I've done this effort before in training. I th I know I can stay with this group because I I've done you know 450 watts for three minutes in the past, whatever on the trainer just last week. So that's I mean that's part of the that's part of the process of of training is is getting yourself mentally prepared mm -hmm. being you know doing doing those efforts and so when it comes to race day yeah of course you can do it i've done i've done this so many times on the trainer and yep. i am confident yep yeah. that's what we're gonna say <clears throat> you know i i i have a lot of thoughts on this topic because no surprise to you guys i'm probably one of the more confident people that i know it's just part of my personality <laughs> i'm also one of the more competitive people that i know that i really have a hard time turning off my competitiveness but i have definitely gone through hills and valleys with that um i i remember clearly two years ago when i came into the cyclocross season and um, I had been struggling with injuries and with sickness, and I did not come in very, come in very fit. And I still went and raced 20 cyclocross races. Was I good in those races? No. Did I have an absolute blast in those races? Yes. So I have raced just for fun. I have lined up knowing, and even with my confidence from years past and knowing what my abilities were, I lined up knowing that, I'm, I'm going to be battling for top 20, and I'm okay with that. And I had a blast at those races. So you can have fun in these types of, you know, in those situations. And I, I have had times where I've gone to races just to have fun, knowing that uh, – okay, here's another uh, um, unbound last year. Um, I went and did the 100-mile unbound race, and I had no expectations for that race. I, of course, I wanted to go as fast as I wanted to go, you know, as fast as I could – but my, I had, I had no like goals for the race. It was, I'm here because I, I, I got in and I'm, and this race does not mean anything to me really. I, you know, I had other race series that I, that I was more focusing on and I, I ended up having a very good day, but I had, and I was, and it completely sucked, but that's a different, that's a different topic. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I ended up still doing okay, but I went in just like, I just want to experience this. I want to be part of the race day atmosphere because you don't get race day atmosphere on your, you know, Sunday, you know, solo ride. You don't get that. You don't get the, you know, the energy of 
of a start line or the nervousness of of being around a bunch of people about to give it their all. There's there's something about that that is kind of special. And I kind of I find myself craving that, craving that that anticipation of how deep I'm gonna go. And I don't know if that's a malfunction in my own brain <laughs> or if it is or if it's the competitiveness in me that that um that kind of breeds that, but it's certainly it goes through hills and valleys for I, sure. I, I love that you say that because that that really kind of like kind of brings the two ends together because it's not going to always be a hundred percent go every single time all of the time. And Matt is a perfect uh, you know candidate to talk about this as well because he's done the same thing. And it goes in line with what you said about the peaks and the valleys. And like we know Lance Hepler, we know what you're all about. And there's a lot of people that carry that that same like mindset that they have that same mantra like i'm always going to go and give give the beans you know kind of a thing but there are going to be times where you you just have to know your situation and like yeah you're not going to be competitive like those cyclocross races you were still out there trying to be competitive you were just being competitive with yeah. what you had at that moment in time but you weren't beating yourself yeah. up because you weren't where you normally are you're still being competitive no. but you were just you were you were having to race the engine that you had at that moment in time and you were coming off of injury and and just different things so well i i cried myself to sleep every night but that's a different story <laughs> but yeah it's it's okay to have fun at a bike race now Am I going to want to go out there and have fun at a triathlon? Well, for me, for starters, like having to go swim in the water, that's not fun. And having to run, that's not fun. If it was just... A, <laughs> just one direction, circles for Jake. Exactly. One shoulder that works. <laughs> but the let's be real, though. For a lot of people to go do a triathlon, they don't get to do a ton of those things because they're not cheap. And sometimes it's like, yeah. all right, if you're going to do some of these bigger ones, like, are you going to go just have fun at a, in an Ironman? Probably not because you probably dropped a thousand bucks on that. And yeah, you're going to go out right. there and, and soak it up and have fun there. But in the same breath, you want to go out there and give it your all because you want to get the best time because who knows if you're going to get to go back and do that again. Who knows like how much time, energy, and effort that you truly put into that and you want to give your best time. And it's not necessarily going to be something that's going to translate into like a podium spot, but you're going to say, Hey, I did this once before and I, I finished it in 14 hours. This time I want to do it in under 12 hours. So that's not, you're being competitive with yourself. You're not putting yourself on the podium per se, but um, you're still kind of giving it your all, but don't give yourself that, that cop out of like, Oh, I'm just going to come out here and have fun and just kind of go through the motions and, and do another 14 hour gig, you know, just to check this off the box. I don't, I just don't see that happening all the time. And I guess it's that, person that perpetually uses that as their um as their, their their whole mantra like hey i'm just i just i just do this for fun it's it's just for fun and it's like i question like is it you're, you're pinning on a number you're paying for a race you're training for it is this just for fun i don't know you know there's there's lots of situations i mean i race a lot and there's a lot of situations where i go in knowing that i have no shot sure. at this race and i and i will I will still line up those races just to have fun and have the race experience and potentially to just help a teammate in that race, because sure. that, that is just as rewarding for me to help a teammate is not. I've told a story where racing a gravel race last year with Ian uh, Gibson, uh, we did the ashes to glory race and you know, I, I was feeling pretty good and pretty fit and thought I had a shot maybe at top five in my age group. And I'm not kidding. Three miles into the race, I got dropped and I knew 
oh freaking a that my race is over my confidence just like woof went away i was like okay that's my race is done and i thought do i just turn around and ride back to the start because maybe i don't need to do this whole 60 mile course or whatever it was but i thought you know what i'm just ian is the age group up for me i bet that he will catch me eventually which he did and then i can just empty myself for as long as i can and try to help ian to get on his podium which he did get on the podium so you know it it still was rewarding for me to do that so you, you know the other thing is you go through you go through waves of confidence and and not confidence you know even in the races just this race yesterday i mean i came into this right off a of training camp with big volume my legs felt pretty decent my pre-rides went pretty well i felt like i had my bike out i'm like i i got a shot at this i'm just gonna i don't know who any of the 50 year olds are but i'm just gonna go as hard as i can and literally two miles into the race that group of 60 rode away from me my confidence just disappeared i thought what the hell i am in the wrong sport this is dumb i am i'm doing 300 watts and 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 i don't want to go 400 watts to try to stay with this group i'm gonna i've got three hours and 40 minutes still to race i've got no shot so here's the so, difference, though, between Lance Hepler and somebody else that's just going to say, oh, you know what? I'm just going to do this for fun now. You didn't give up. You're like, all right, I know that there's still a lot of race left to be had. A lot of things can happen. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to stick to my race. I'm going to stick to what I know that I can do and see what happens. And the next thing you know, like, what, half an hour, 40 minutes later, you're passing all of these people and all these crazy spots. Yeah. And the next thing you know, like, hey, my confidence was way down. Guess what? It's way up now. And I'm going to I'm gonna go out there and I'm going to just full-hearted all the way to the end. So that's the yeah. difference. And Don't use that as a cop-out. No, it, it comes down to, again, this, this idea of self-fulfillment, of having intrinsic motivation. You know, I mean, a bicycle race is a competitive event. The, com- the competition is to win the race. Mm-hmm. But... You- so fighting against yourself, you know, if you come away from that race and you know you've given it everything you could, even if you DNF, you know, you DNF because you were absolutely exhausted and the tank was completely empty, mm-hmm. you can still walk away from that event with with satisfaction and you will have um, fulfilled that competitive urge because you, 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 you strive towards those intrinsic goals, um, even though the podium was never going to happen. You know, you can walk away with your head up because you competed and you did as best. <laughs> it sounds corny, you know, but, but you, you did the best you could, yep. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, you should always do the best you can. In my opinion, if you absolutely need to have a fun day, then sure do that. But the vast majority of the racing that you're doing, <laughs> always give it your best and, and see, see how that stacks out or plays out and then build upon that. Use it as a learning, um, a chance to learn from like your past so that you can build on for the future. Lance, let me ask you one other quick question. And I I can probably say this to all three of you guys. Like how many times have you told yourself that you're just going to go do something for fun? And then you surprise the hell out of yourself thinking that like, Oh, everybody's going to like tear me apart. And then next thing you know, like you just kept going. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, maybe I do have a shot at this. And then you end up doing way better than you ever thought you would. And it's because you had that competitiveness inside of you and you kind of washed aside this whole, I'm going to do this for fun and let's see how we can make this thing pan out for myself. So you guys had these situations before as well. 
Yeah, that's happened to me more often than not, where I think uh, I've got I got no chance at this. I don't know any of these other racers. I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm not feeling too terrible. Let's just see what happens and I end up doing okay compared mm-hmm. to the field. But it is dangerous to have outcome goals. It's better to have process goals like uh, like hitting your training every day, doing the right sets of intervals, trying to eat the right types of foods. Those are better goals for me to have than I want to stand on 10 podiums this year because you, you can't control everything that happens in a race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's what you were saying earlier, Ian. So I, I hijacked your question, Jake. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that there there's been quite a few times where I've gone in not thinking I had any kind of chance and then did really well just because I didn't quit or I realized my my legs feel better than I thought they would. Oh, wait, I'm actually holding 350 watts and it doesn't feel terrible and I can do this for two more minutes to get to the top of this little roller, then I can just carry the speed down the other side. You know, that happens more often than not. Mm-hmm. How about you guys, Matt, Ian? Definitely agree with Lance's sentiment there. Like there's so many times racing over like the lifetime of racing that you're like, Oh, you're coming off a of sickness and you know, you're, you have zero expectations and you surprise yourself. You have, you know, like, well, this happens with uh, coaching my high school kids where there's like, for whatever reason, they'll have a PR and you just, you never know what to expect and if you put yourself in the race, then you you have a shot. So it's always good to give yourself that chance. And if you do have a bad race and you have been sick or whatever the excuse is that you've got, then that's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, but if you don't if you don't race, then you don't have the chance to like, you know, see. Well, maybe you could have had a good race. Maybe you could have had a PR. Maybe you have a PR that you never would have had otherwise had you not taken the opportunity. Gotcha, Ian. You got anything to add to that? Yeah, just remembering the first time I did uh, Independence Valley Road Race up in Washington there, and um, on the second lap, you know, uh, a gap opened up, and the leaders just went, you know, the, the whole field split up, and I was on the wrong side of it. And confidence dropped to a super low level at that point. But, you know, we, we just kept pushing. We pushed so hard, probably raced harder than than if we'd have been in the front group, but you know, it, it seemed like all hope was lost, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, you know, before, but, but strangely enough, uh, five miles from the finish, we started to see that lead group and we started to gain on them. And then half a mile from the finish, we were all together again. And I'm like, huh, maybe I can pull this off. Maybe I can do well in this. And I did in the end. And it was just like that, that, confidence crash where you you thought you were competitive but it turned out you wasn't but then it turned out you were after all mm-hmm. it was it was mother gotcha okay so let me let, let's let's finish this whole thing up and i wanted to hear from each one of you guys and all of us can uh, you know lend to this how do you develop confidence what are some tips some tricks some strategies that you guys can share with people that maybe are dealing with some confidence issues or want to determine like like 
how they can go about a, a putting something together so that they can build that confidence so that they can build upon like the race results or just the ability to finish or to you know just be a more formidable force out there on the the race circuit what would you guys give to the folks and maybe even an anecdote or two that you can uh, share with us all i'll definitely say that um looking back on your training definitely will build confidence having good structured training leading up to an event will definitely um increase confidence also just like an ex just your experience um i would probably be more nervous like lining up on a cyclocross starting line compared to lance uh there's just the amount of times that you get your butt off the couch and you race uh it's experience that you can lean on and and that definitely builds confidence i mean i i have raced a lot and so you can definitely bridge confidence from other situations and hopefully people can do that in their own way um so going i know like if i start a swim race i can tell myself oh well you've i've raced a million times this is just a different type of race i don't actually do swim races too often but like you know that that situation where someone could be nervous you could definitely lean on pr like prior experiences uh being competitive and so you do know how to race. You know how to do some of the details that aren't necessarily um, potentially specific to that event, right? Like, but you do know how to uh, eat decently before the race. Make sure you get sleep. Um, make sure you're not changing anything crazy up before your race. And all of these little things are just going to incrementally increase confidence when you're on that starting line. Cool. Um, I'll go next. I think. Uh, the best way to increase confidence, you need to choose better parents. You need to give back all your participation trophies. You need to, uh, yeah, wait, I, maybe I should stop there. Um, I say that no, out loud. It, it's, <laughs> um, I honestly, it's, it's, it my, mine's pretty similar to what Matt's saying, but it's one little step at a time. It's one little victory at a time. If that means I've had, one good workout that I know I did a, you know, a good solid set of intervals and maybe even less than that, you're supposed to do three sets of intervals and you got one set of interval done and I, and it actually felt pretty decent, but, but it does take some structured type of work to improve your cardiovascular health and to get to a point where you could do some good things, you know, better than what you've done before. So it's one little step at a time, you know, you, and you you gain the confidence from completing that one little piece of the process, and then as that as those stack up, and as you get more workouts under your belt or more things under your belt, you'll feel better about what your chances are in a race. Gotcha. That sounded ridiculous to me, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Anything you say sounds ridiculous, Lance. But I, <laughs> I actually, true. but actually, all of that sounded pretty good to me. So. Okay, nice, Ian. You got anything for us? Yeah, um, I mean, anybody that that trains with an eye to doing a competitive event is, has got some competitive motivation. Um, I think it, it's to have real confidence, though, um, true confidence, it's all in the preparation. It's knowing that you can do those efforts, knowing that you've trained as hard as, but more, more importantly, you've trained specifically for these events like i know i've given this example probably more than once in the past but i i still think back to the banana belt 
road race we all did um, last year. And I knew that if I could just be with the group at the end, I had a chance on that uphill sprint. But between me and the end there was sort of six times up this hill, right, which was about a, a minute and a half climb. So how do you prepare for that? How do you have confidence going into that race? You do those 1.5-minute intervals as hard as you can a bunch of times, and then when it comes to race day, all you got to do is repeat that. So I think training specificity is is very important. Mm-hmm. Re- totally agree with that. So, yeah, you guys hit on some of the the big ones, like, you know, training. You, you've got to train and you've got to put in the work. That, that's that's the, the probably the most obvious one there. And as you train more and you as you start to see your numbers training in the right direction, that's going to give you confidence. Um, and you know, like Ian said, know your numbers. Like the better you know your numbers and the, the more that you can kind of like lay that, those out over the course of this race that you're going to do and understand how they, they stack up, that's going to give you a big advantage as well. You're going to know yourself. So you're going to, you know, know what you're working with. Um, a couple other things that, that can definitely help you build confidence would be like a mentor or a coach. Those people can be very impartial, not impartial, but they can, they can do a, a fantastic job of understanding you and giving you like a very objective view of like where you're at and, and really walking you through it. And a good coach isn't going to sugarcoat things. A good coach is going to tell you what you want to hear, what they think you need to hear that's not necessarily true, but they can they can be realistic. So, you know, if if Ian were coaching me and he were looking at my numbers right now and I was going to go sign up for a race coming up soon, he's going to be like, Jake, you're going to suck and you're going to suck really bad. You might want to consider just going out there and having fun. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway, the, the, the moral of the story is, is like a coach is definitely going to help you with respect to like uh, knowing how it's going to play out for you. Um, another thing that I've always really quite enjoyed and that has done wonders for me is you kind of need a measuring stick. You need to know how you stack up. Whether well, it doesn't matter what discipline it is, but you know, go find a local group ride. It could be a mountain bike, gravel, road, it could be anything really. And go see how you stack up against the other people that are doing these rides. If you can find one that's kind of like a, a race-based paced ride that we do, like the flogging ride. Um, you you can go out there and you can see the people and you can know like you 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 can ask questions like hey what category is that guy in over there that that's crushing everybody and if they tell you he's a, a cap four and you're a cap four you're gonna be like kind of crap I got my work cut out for me but chances are that person's probably gonna be more of like a, a one or a two and like all right well I know that I can't keep up with him but I think I'm doing a pretty good job and I know the other people around me and I know that I'm able to keep up with them and I know that I can push the pace a little bit here you just start to get a sense of where the pecking order is and you get a sense of like how you stack up against those people. And that's in a a non-threatening environment. It's not a paid race. It's not something where you're going to go out and get a trophy or you're going to like everybody's putting you on display to see how you did or saying, oh, my God, you got like 20th out of 20 people in that race. That that's not that's not that nobody's going to say that to you in any way. But at the end of the day, you'll know how you stack up and you can go out there and you can repeat these things and you can see how you're trending. And then as you start to trend and as you start to know yourself and your numbers and see how you stack up, that's going to breed confidence. And as soon as you have that confidence in you. I think your whole mindset in terms of how you approach the racing that you're going to be doing is going to change. You're going to give yourself a much better chance of having a, a, a good outcome. And that outcome doesn't have to be landing on the podium. It could be being this much faster or this this much higher up in the, the overall standings or knowing that you gave it your all or your numbers were trending in a direction. You saw power numbers that you've never seen before. Those are all wins, and that's being competitive. And if you want to try and do that again and again and again, then you'll start to see some better results. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sunday, Sunday morning, 9 a.m., Ovation Coffee, the Salvi Shootout. See how you stack up. 
that's a very that's good either. that's a very good one yes um anything else? actually jake there's yeah there's that's that's why i ended up doing my first ever road bike race was because i was doing a weekly uh a race ride with uh with the portland wheelman this uh-huh. was like seven or eight years ago sure i would do this this uh this weekly ride and i realized I'm kind of mixing it up with the four or five faster guys on the group. And one of them was like, Lance, you should go do this race. And I'm like, what No, bike racing? Are you kidding me? I'm wait. I, and I went, I had a blast. I didn't do terrible. I definitely didn't win or make the podium, but, um, that was, that was the reason why I did my first bike race was because of a fast group ride and people telling me, yeah, you, you can do this. Yeah. And don't get discouraged. You're going to show up to some of these bike rides that aren't races and you're probably going to get your backside handed to you, but that's all right. Keep coming back. I mean, that's, that's what my whole introduction to riding on the road was. I mean, I used to be pretty good on the mountain bike and my fitness was all right, but I wanted to get to a whole nother station and, and people kept telling me and, you know, even like a, a person who was a coach after talking with him, he's like, you've got some good numbers. I think that they can be pretty spectacular if you start going and riding on the road and go do these rides on these particular days at these particular times with these groups of people and see how you stack up and just keep showing up. And I went out there the very first time and got destroyed, like towards the beginning of this hot section. It was like a you know, a good four or five mile section. And like they rode away from me probably the first half mile. I'm like, well, that sucked. <laughs> You're riding by yourself for a while. But I kept coming back week after week after week. And, you know, after six months, I was at the point into that. And it's just because I stuck to it. And I, I just kept taking notes and trying to learn and become a better student, understand my numbers and all that other stuff. And because I didn't give up and because I just didn't say like, hey, I'm just going to let them go because I'll never be that good. Or I'm just going to, I prefer just to ride for fun. No, I, I took the steps to keep going back and I was doing the things that I was told to do and it paid off and it, it worked out really well for me. And I got to be an okay bike rider. Anything else you guys want to add to this? Bueller. Don't give up. You can, yeah, jump, <laughs> jump in. You can still do them for fun. It's okay. You can we'll do still it. like you. Yeah. Awesome. All right, that's a good one. Hopefully that maybe helps somebody build up a little bit of confidence. All right, let's spin this into one last thing per usual. Mr. Matt Legrand, would you like to go first? You've actually got probably a couple um, one last things you, you can throw out us too because I don't think uh, we, we, we missed you last week and you probably had a few things from then too. Well, last week I posted a video talking about an affordable power meter, actually. So applicable to our audience, which is, for once, uh, fun to, to do. But um, it's actually a power meter by a company called Magine. And uh, it's a $300 crank-based power meter, Shimano um, compatible. So you basically got 24 millimeter spindle. So slide out your um, Shimano crank, slide this one in, and you're good to go which is pretty cool. I'm pretty, pretty pumped about that. And uh, the numbers looked really good. They were, I was comparing them to uh, the uh, Tax Neo bike trainer, the Garmin Tax Neo bike trainer, which is a high-end bike trainer. Very good. Um, that's always been pretty reputable. And then the other device I was comparing it to were the uh, Wahoo Speedplay PowerLink Zero. Mm-hmm. How's that for a name? Yeah. So, Yeesh. And, and all the, you know, data looks really good. So uh, if you do need an affordable power meter, that should be one to consider as well. What are those um, run? How, how much do those 300 cost? 300 bucks. That's cheap. $300. Huh. I know. Super cheap. Yeah, 300 bucks. I think that's kind of like the, the best part of it. Um, there are other companies that make some kind of similar priced devices like 
Stages and uh, 4i, I think, are kind of some of the companies that might make a more affordable power meter options. Um, uh, what's the other company? Um, it's like Asiamo. Asiamo, uh, yeah. Yep. Asiamo. Actually, they just released uh, some power meter pedals as well Off that were pretty ones, affordable yeah. as well. Yep. So, yeah. So there's some good options for people that don't want to break the bank cool. on power meters. Yep. Cool. What about this week? Got anything coming out this week or anything come out? soon i really want to post something about these um apple vision pro uh goggles and i've just got to get my butt in gear i've been uh i've been dad on duty the my wife's gone she's out skiing living up the living the good life and uh and i've been on kid patrol so oh, good on you haven't had time to haven't had time to play around and and get any um videos made so with her being gone, my you, wife calling right now <laughs> with her being gone have you been wearing those things all over the house and and doing everything with them on just yeah, just buck naked walking around with <laughs> Apple Vision goggles on. Nothing else. <laughs> no, actually, um, that's one of my complaints about this thing is like you, you know, when you're doing stuff with family and stuff, like that, you just don't have that much time to use it. And so uh, this podcast was a good excuse to throw them on and do the podcast through the goggles. I could have easily done this through my laptop as sure. well. It would have been fine. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, again, it comes back to like, I'm trying to use it like once every day and there's quite a few days where I'm like, nope, didn't happen. So mm. it's a, it's a firm don't, it's a firm, like, I'm not suggesting people buy this thing, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to talk about it. So. Gotcha. Cool. Thank you. Ian, you got one last thing for us? Yeah. I'm going to plug our time trial again, which is happening next Saturday, uh, the 9th. 9th of um, March. So if. All of you people that are living here in the Portland metro area or in anywhere here in the Pacific Northwest, it's the kickoff event for the season, really. Um, coming out, compete against your peers, compete against yourself, or just come and have fun. Yep. How's the weather going to be? It's right now, it says 35% chance of rain. So okay. uh, I don't know. Um, registration is open on at obra.org it's going to be uh, pre-registration is going to be open until wednesday at 8 p.m however um, we will be accepting for a small fee registration out there at vancouver lake on the day first racer goes off at nine p- nine o'clock in the morning and then we have a short break around noon and we're going to be running eddie style uh, time trial races in the afternoon so yep. come on out. Eddie time trials is going to be fun. I think we're going to get a lot of people and there's actually a new category for the Eddie that I don't think has ever been done that I know of here in the, the Oberland with the uh, 55 plus category, which is kind of cool. So you've got your, you're open, you've got your 40 plus and you got your 55 plus. So uh, it's a good excuse for everybody to come on out and race. If you've got a road bike, it, it works. You've got a gravel bike, you got a mountain bike and come out there and race that too. So fun. I, I made that category, especially for myself because, uh, <laughs> because Paul Boussier and Chris Hamill and a lot of those other guys are not yet 55. And I'm <laughs> way over 55. Well played. Well played, Mr. Uh, race director. <laughs> right on. Um, my one last thing, and I didn't say this in my, my backpedal because, I don't know, I, I needed something for my one last thing today and people get tired of hearing me cry about all my woes, but um, I went and had my doctor visit this past week and it was kind of a fun thing because I've been trying to get in to see this guy for some time and they actually had a cancellation and I was able to jump on that. So I think I talked about that a little bit last week. Went in for the visit and I, I like this guy. He he seems invested. He seems inquisitive. He's 
like one of those guys that likes to like kind of talk through everything. He's kind of almost thinking out loud, if you will. And he had um, a bunch of different questions and then trying to get a real firm grasp on what was going on. And then he started talking about some game plans and some possible things that could be at play here. And, you know, he's, um, you know, fielding questions for me and it was just a good fit. And there was actually another uh, fellow that was in there as well. So he had a, a few things to inject. So it was a good, good session. Granted, it's, it's just the first session of probably many, but I will be back to see them on March 12th. So just a couple of days after the time trial to get um, kind of this specialized, uh, um, which we call an ultrasound. And it's likely going to be something that's going to culminate with some ultrasound guided injections with something he was saying like an anesthetic and possibly a few other things, but he just wants to kind of see what's going on there first. And then from that point in time, he is hoping that he will be able to help kind of figure out what's going on. And there might be another con or not another, the last MRI I had was a standard MRI which they had to do like a redaction of the, the hardware that I have in my hip. And this next one might be more of like a contrast one just so they can get a, a, a better, tighter look at what's going on with the actual, you know, like the labrum and the connective tissue in there. So anyway, long story short, it's, I have, <laughs> nothing's been solved. I'm still dealing with all kinds of issues, but I feel like I'm in the right hands right now. So I'm, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic that hopefully some good things will come of this. And yeah, hopefully it gives me some good injections of some cool stuff that makes my hip feel better so that I can get back on the bike and start riding with y'all because it's been way too long. Enough for me. It has been. Yeah. We miss it. Yeah. We miss it. Yeah, one of these days or one of these years at this juncture. So, all right. I think that's it. Unless you guys have anything else to say? Last chance? No? All good? Cool. Thank it's you for good. everybody. It was uh, kind of interesting looking at everybody on a phone this time. Um, I, last week, Lance and I did this, just the two of us. So it was actually kind of fun. But now I think this is the first time we've had three people on the phone all at the same time with me. And um, that was fun. So appreciate your guys' yeah. time on a, on a Sunday evening. Now it's my turn to get this thing finished up and out to the, the people so that they can hear what y'all had to say <laughs> as Lance flips me off saying goodbye. <laughs> I love you too, Lance. I love you too, man. Cool. All right, you guys. Thank you for your time. We will be back. Yep. We'll be back next week with another one of these. And until then, bye for now. Whether you're first or middle or last, what's important is that you're you and people can like you just the way you are.